1: Welcome to the Love the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan of Dallas. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan of Dallas. He's also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And uh, he's actually directly across from me today. How about like, that? that? Same, that. Building, same building, huh? Same, same building, same room. Like, yeah. just right here. We're, we're, we're so close. I, I could reach out and high-five you, Brian, if I could to. Uh, and you will get a chance. To do another pre and post game hit from AT and T Stadium, the Dallas Cowboys take care of business, obviously against the Washington Commanders. They win the NFC East. They finished twelve and five. It is the uh, same twelve and five record that they've had each of the previous two years. Uh, they will draw the Green Bay Packers, three thirty kickoff Sunday. We'll dive into the Packers in a couple episodes later this week. Um, but but first, I just wanted to take this first segment. And next segment, we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the developments of interview requests for Will McClay, Dan Quinn, where things stand there. But just in this opening segment, I kind of want to take a look back at the Cowboys season, what we think this team is heading into the postseason, where they're vulnerable, where they've got a strength heading into it. Before we dive into all that, though, I'm curious, Green Bay, before we get into this actual deep dive on them, just on a cursory view, is that the preferred opponent, you think, that that was set up for the Cowboys when we looked at it? It was probably going to be Seahawks, Packers, or Rams. Is is Packers probably the best draw you could have hoped for? You know, without
2: looking at Green Bay, and and I've seen them, you know, because we get get in that that, deal where they play play the the same same time time as you do. Uh, They, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe their games are a little bit different. I I haven't seen, you know, like between shows, I did my show at the the Star Cowboys break, and then I come here to do my two to seven show, and I just kind of like just took a little look. And and I – there's things about Green Bay's defense that – seems like that uh that they that they have uh some problems with Mm -hmm. Uh, i think you know when you look at uh when you look at where they're when there might be they have some problems with you know you see some people make plays on them in the secondary and stuff their pass rush appears to be pretty good they get pressure but just i was just watching the bears game and i don't know if it's the preferred matchup just because they're one of these teams that They've gotten hot going into the playoffs. You know, they've won, you know, seven of like the last nine games. So they've gotten, you know, they've gotten hot. I'm looking forward to seeing the Tampa game where hey, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield really,
1: really lit them up. I, I saw some of that game. This, I just yeah. remember the second half. Obviously, it was just a TV copy, but I do remember the second half of that game. They They could not stop tampa bay on offense what tampa yeah. bay wanted to do they could do and obviously baker yeah. mayfield comes in there gets a perfect pass rate and so we'll we'll have a, a lot more details on the packers later this but week i
2: don't but. know if that's the preferred one just because you're playing a young quarterback first uh first time in the playoffs for him playing really
1: it, well too playing to really
2: it. well and you know they've got kind of a a group of receivers we need to learn about they got a running game uh, or they've gone to the running game the last three weeks so yeah is it the preferred Uh, you know me i have that phobia about playing the rams yeah you know and but i always worry about teams bobby that are playing hot going into the playoffs the packers have been playing playoff games since week 12 yeah you know if you look at them i mean they every week is a playoff game for them you know and and so same with the rams and and these other teams that are the you know the sixth seventh seed you know you got a team like the eagles who were at one time the number one seed and now have dropped all the way down to five because of, you know, uh, the, the, the one in five in the last uh, month and so of the season.
1: Now, uh, Cowboys, obviously, like we said, they finished 12 and five, third year in a row where they finished with that record. They win the NFC East. It takes a miraculous collapse, like you just mentioned there from the Philadelphia Eagles. But as they head into this postseason, if I were to say. Hey, Brian, give me your your best just capsule. Like like if somebody were to, to interview you on Green Bay Radio and say, hey, just give me like a quick one or two minute description. Who is this football team? What do they do well? What do they struggle with? How would you define this Dallas Cowboys football team in 2023? They
2: have an elite wide receiver who is very difficult to defend. And the Cowboys have kind of figured out here the last couple of weeks that throwing him the ball 17 times is an okay thing to do. You've got a quarterback that's playing at a very high level, almost an MVP-like level. Uh, He'll be in that conversation. Uh, They don't run the ball at all, or they don't run it well enough, put it Mm -hmm. that way. Uh, They struggle with the run. Uh, They On defense, they put a lot of pressure on you. They've gotten better defending the run. Uh, They've got some outstanding playmakers other than Micah Parsons uh, that you're going to have to deal with. And if you want to potentially make plays on them, it might be throwing the football if you can block their front. Uh they've have given up some pass plays. Uh they've been better uh uh at times playing pass defense, but at the end of games, we've seen it the last couple of weeks with the Dolphins and then with the Lions though, uh that final drive of games uh, kind of being a little bit of a problem, but but overall though it's it's team that's it's uh it's really good on special teams as well when you start to talk about the kicking and the punting situation.
1: Now when you Obviously, it's it's the run game on both sides that seems to be the the biggest hindrance to this football team right yeah. now. It, it's the run game in terms of stopping it. And at times it's, it's been better in recent weeks than, than it had been. Obviously, they're not getting gashed the same way they were against Buffalo. They got a really good running team in Detroit, a really good running team in Miami, and they held them below yes. what they had done for a lot of the season. So th- there's a lot of positivity there you hopefully maybe built on something a little bit with the run game against Washington. They they've run the ball ball well against Washington in recent years though. So, yeah. so there's not a, a you but know, the two
2: best to... games of running the ball has been against the commanders.
1: If I could tell you that, Hey, snap your fingers and one of those is going to be fixed. The other is not, but I I can guarantee you you'll fix the other. Would you rather this offense be able to run the ball more effectively or be able to stop the run on the defensive side?
2: I would be scared to something happen to me uh, like what happened in Buffalo. Let me stop the run, because I know in my heart of hearts that this playoff run is going to be on the shoulders of Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Mike McCarthy, Ferguson. That's where we'll see what with the offensive line and the health and how that maintains throughout the playoffs. But I know my playoff existence really is going to be about them throwing the football. That's That's kind of where I think this is going to go. I don't think they're going to magically – Like you said, snap your fingers. But if you could, I just fear, I just fear a team getting just loading up and running the football like Buffalo did. That, 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 that was probably the worst game. You talk about the San Francisco game, the game against the Buffalo Bills, I think was the worst game that they've played all year.
1: Yeah. I I think that, you know, in terms of just complete utter failure, yeah. uh, you know, uh, everything surrounding it. The Buffalo game was one that was concerning. And, and that was something that you hoped they were going to alleviate some of those fears the following week in Miami. Yeah. They, they did in terms of they played better on the road, but they still had their struggles on offense. They couldn't make a stop down the stretch, but the run defense was better. Did you, you know, get some of those fears out of the way against Detroit? Did you did you answer some of those questions there? And then obviously against Washington, you you had a chance to take it, and you went ahead and took it, yeah. and, and you closed the season on, on a very strong note in a stadium that has – been a little bit of a I don't want to say quite house of horrors but it's been a a difficult place to play for your quarterback the last couple years and he played well in a really cold and windy environment and and you know didn't let some of the the frustrations get him down when they get the blocked field well when they get the tipped interception they didn't let that you know, discourage them and, and overwhelm That's, them a little bit. Do you think we learned something in the final month of the season about this team's resolve and about their their mental toughness and their character? Or do you think that still has yet to be challenged in a way like it was against Buffalo?
2: I think their best win this year has been against the Detroit Lions. And I think that was a game that had everything about it could have gone completely bad and wrong for you. You know, you could talk about the officiating and all that at the end, but I, I just, it was a tough, gritty Win. They needed to move the ball. They were able to move the ball. Unfortunately, though, they couldn't run the ball. That's something you know. I think that Mike McCarthy has kind of learned now. Yeah. You know, Dak. I think if Dak had to do it over, I think he would have just taken some of the shorter throws and then found a way to to kind of keep the clock running. But uh, I, I that was a tough, gritty win for them in a, in a, in, a, in a in a in really a playoff game. You know that 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 game right there got you the second overall seat. Yeah. And so that's that to me, I think they learned something about themselves, you know, having to play. They 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 held the lines in check basically for 59 minutes in that game. They really, really did. So I I, I, I look at that as I learned a lot about them being able to kind of to, to kind of close that thing out in a way that or excuse me, play in a way to give them an the opportunity to win the game. Now, as they
1: head into this postseason run here, which they they hope, you know, they, they've they got themselves, if if they win the game, if they win the wild card game, they've guaranteed themselves two home playoff games. Right. And, you know, they put themselves in a position that if somebody picks off San Francisco for you, you're looking at a third home playoff game. Right. So they put themselves in, in a good position for this playoff run. But as we enter it, we obviously know Dak Prescott's a big part of this. CeeDee Lamb's a big part of this. Mike Parsons is a big part of this. Who do you look at on this team and say – there's the X factor right there. There's the guy that that if I can get him to play really well, or or if this guy plays on top of his game, it's going to be really difficult to beat this Cowboys
2: team. There's a couple of guys that I really look at. I mean, I on the offensive side of the ball, I think that Brandon Cooks is that guy because what what we've learned about Brandon Cooks, if somebody were to try and take uh take uh Lamb out of a game, yeah. the one thing I know about Brandon, I I from twenty to twenty, I can get. I could get Jake Ferguson involved in the game plan and he'll be fine. And, and, you know, you can move the football. I know when I get down into the red zone or I get outside the red zone, say 30, 35 yards out, I know I could throw the ball in the end zone to Brandon Cooks, he's going to make the play. I know when I get down in the red zone that Brandon Cooks is going to make a play down there too. He's the one receiver that you have that can score points for you down in, down outside the, the, say, the 35-yard line. And he's the one guy that can score when you get down inside the 20 to me. Give me Brandon cooks is that guy that if, if they take away Ferguson or they try and take away lamb, which I think it'd be difficult to do. I know cooks can make some plays. I'll
1: tell you somebody who down the stretch played really, really well. And I think really answered the call in the final six weeks of the season after there were a lot of, I, I know we talked about him on this show as a, as a lot of pressure. on uh, No, I, Jordan Lewis. Yeah. I think Jordan Lewis has played really good football in the last six weeks. And, and, Jordan Lewis, I think, in the last six weeks is a great example of why coaches like veteran players. Absolutely. Regardless of physical limitations or or maybe he doesn't have the same step that he once did. You see what toughness and, and football IQ and those things can get you. I think Jordan Lewis has been such a big part because we, we had we were in that Seattle game. Where we're like, man, there's a real chance for them to pick on Jordan Lewis in yeah. this game and make things really difficult. And from that moment on. He's made a lot of really big plays. I mean, you see the toughness against Washington reaching in there, stripping the ball out, creating turnovers. He he is not afraid in the run game despite his size limitations. I, I think that he's a really important far. player. Absolutely. A, a really intelligent football player, a, a tough football player, a leader for them, I think, on that side of the ball. And, and then the other guy that... I, I'm I'm seeing some, some positive steps times. It was a bad game against Buffalo. It was a really bad game against Buffalo, but in recent weeks, I'm seeing some bounce back from Damone Clark. Yeah. And I think that if you can get a a good version of Damone Clark, that goes a long way to stabilizing some of the concerns you might have on defense.
2: Yeah. I think you're I think the guy that I would like to say on defense, you mentioned Clark, but how about throw in uh, Donovan Wilson? Yeah. And, and if you can, and if you can, if you can, if you could get Donovan Wilson to play like Dono, who is the tough, hard nose, create turnovers, knock people out, be physical. You, you know, I mean, there's been times where he's not played well with his eyes. Mm-hmm. you know, but that that turnover he had the other night in the in the game, the uh the uh the 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 the, the, the ability for him to be in the right position in coverage to get the interception. And he's a guy that's always going to punch and pull at the ball. He's also going to hit. If you get that, not the Donovan Wilson, but you get Dono, that crazed safety linebacker hybrid player, that could go a long way to to help.
1: Dan Quinn said in in training camp, when we got a chance to talk to him on Sean and RJ uh, and Oxnard, I I had asked him, like, who are the tone setters? Who are the guys that when new players come into this, you know, locker room, you say, Hey, if you're looking for the standard, if you're looking for the example of what I expect from you in terms of toughness and physicality, look at this guy. He said that that guy for him in the back seven is Donovan Wilson, that that's the guy that he points to, to guys in the back seven and says, Hey, if you need to know what our standard is in terms of what we expect from you in terms of being a physical football player, being a tough football player, somebody who's going to show that sort of toughness and physicality on that side of the ball, you need to look at Donovan Wilson. Yeah emulate what he does and that's what we get out of him so definitely a big uh a, a big x factor there for the cowboys you are listening to the love the star podcast the love the stars and odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds
1: All right, Brian, we did get a little bit of news there. Black Monday hit. There have been several firings, GMs, uh, you know, head coaches, coordinators, things like that. Uh, Jobs are coming open. And we already know of several teams that are interested in a couple of people here with the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn. Uh, already, there has been expressed interest publicly from the Panthers, the Commanders and the Chargers. The Panthers and the Commanders as well have interest in talking to Will McClay. And, and there's always been the, let, Let's take the the Dan Quinn angle of this first, because I, I think it's really interesting to look at. We, we interviewed KJ Wright on 105 through the fan, a guy who played for Dan Quinn right. uh, is, is somebody who still has a relationship with Dan Quinn, talks to him. Um, KJ writes in the media now and, uh, is in the Odyssey family and KJ, we had asked him like, Hey, do you think that Dan is going to, is they're going to be able to keep Dan around successfully keep him this year? And he said, no, no, I don't. I think this is the year that he takes a head coaching job. And we asked him, we said, did you think the last two years that he was going to take one? And he said, no. And so KJ did not think that he was somebody who was going to take a head coaching job the last two years he didn't that surprised many of us but kj said no i think this is the year and this was before brandon staley lost his job he said i think the 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 spot you need to watch is is the chargers yeah. and, and so that being a a guy that's getting an interview there there's already kellen moore and doug nussmeyer on that staff who who obviously he has some familiarity with and works with i do I, i've had that in the back of my mind about what kj wright said And it it makes me look at the Chargers, especially with a young, really talented quarterback there, you know, the the best quarterback situation of those three teams that are potentially interviewing him. And it would make a lot of sense. Do you think that there's any hope short of the Cowboys head coaching position coming open? Do you think there's any hope of keeping Dan Quinn here one more year?
2: I think that Dan Quinn wants to see this thing through and whatever happens uh, with the run, I think Dan Quinn is completely committed to that. But I also do believe in talking to people that are very close to Dan Quinn that he wants another opportunity coaching in this league as the head coach. I think he wants to show people that the things that he learned from Atlanta and then the time that he's been here with the Cowboys, the relationship that he's built, I think Dan Quinn understands now uh, the importance of working with personnel departments. This is where I feel like it's – this is where I feel like that that the Commanders and the Panthers are really doing something smart here, mm-hmm. because if you and I don't know if Will McClay is going to leave. I know that Will McClay's in a situation right now where he has a son is in here that uh, is in high school that he'd like to have him finish up, and and I don't know if Will would want to leave right now, and he's he's got a great relationship with Jerry and Steven. Uh, you know he's has a lot of latitude to do what he needs to do, but there might be a package deal here between Mike McC- uh, excuse me between uh, Will McClay and then also Dan Quinn,
1: which is interesting because the last couple of years when we've talked about Quinn going somewhere, yeah, it's been Quinn has liked the idea of going with a personnel guy and it's been right. George Payton in the past, right? And so that that would fit something that. What Quinn looks for in a job is like, hey, let me go there in a, in a package deal with a personnel guy that I right. trust. And, and yeah. he and Will
2: McClay have a great relationship. They have a great relationship. And I think Will thinks the world of him. Uh, I, I think that, and Dan absolutely thinks the world of Will. He trusts Will. He, you know, they work together. They were in the coaching booth together. Uh, you know, when when Dan was up there uh, working, Will at one time was sitting up there with him. And then, you know, they made a switch. The head coach asked that, you know, that they they don't do that anymore. So now, you know, Will sits with Jerry and Steven and uh and, and does those things. But if if Dan were to go, I I guarantee you if there's a if there's a general manager opening at the same spot, he is going to push super, super hard for Will McClay. I think it would be really hard for Will to leave the Dallas Cowboys right now because of his family situation. But we're going to get a day here coming soon where Will McClay will, will go run his own team. I mean, he has great latitude to do things here with the Cowboys, but he also would like the opportunity to make his own calls, to get his own players, to build his own staff, to that be his team. And I think he uh, you know the things he deals with with ownership, the scouts and the coaches, all here, that Bermuda triangle that he's in the middle of, he he is he is a he knows how to manage people from top to bottom. He's not a guy that's always he knows how to put himself in different levels of the organization, and people respect him for that. and i i I think this the cowboys have clearly gotten better with him as the player personnel guy he, yeah. they they clearly have the jeff ireland's the tom Saskowskis, you know the you know the, now the the will mcclays they're clearly better with their evaluations with will mcclay running the organization
1: yeah and uh, you know will mcclay I, I think one of the things that sticks out to me that's really interesting about will mcclay when you talk to people around the league about him is that i, I think for a lot of fans they think of it just as like okay here is the structure of a personnel department and you have a guy at the top scouts underneath to do this. It's, it's a very particular process that, that will McClay believes in and has instilled in guys and, and has structured a personnel department in a way that is unique from a lot of other front offices in the NFL. I I mean, it really is, you know, when when people talk about, Oh, the Patriot way or the Belichick way or whatever, there is a will McClay way in in personnel. and, And I think that, it's been tested and, and it's been proven correct. And, and he's found a lot of really talented evaluators underneath him that he's brought up. I, I think that's the scary thing about potential losing Will McClay too, is you don't just Maybe lose it
2: two or three other guys. You don't
1: just lose a Will McClay. You yeah. may lose a couple guys yeah. who who say, Hey, I, I, I like what Will does. And Will says, Hey, I want somebody to come here who I know knows the way that that I do things and, and can, can help build out a personnel department. And so I, I think that that would be, that may be something that that Jerry and Steven have to wrestle with as well when, when they evaluate this question. What are we willing to do to keep to keep him? Is it's not just what are you willing to do to keep Will McClay? It might be what are you doing to keep what are you willing to do to keep Will McClay and keep maybe a handful of personnel I people as yeah,
2: well. Yeah, I do not think, and this is just me, and I've known Will for a long time and I've, I haven't talked to him about this, but I don't think Will McClay will make it about him either give me the general manager title here or I'm leaving. I don't think that. I think he has so much respect for Steven and Jerry and the Jones family that if if he takes his job, it'll be because it's the right thing for him to do. But he is not going to hold or play a leverage move over Jerry Jones and say, you either give me the general manager title or I'm walking. Oh, sure. I, I guess I mean it more from the No, pers- no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just telling you that's, sure. that's what's going to go down. Will is not going to make this. It's either going to be the right decision for him or it's going to be I'm going to stay here and help the Jones family uh continue to find players for this football team.
1: And and look, Jerry's got a a long history. We can point to Sean Payton when he almost took the Raiders job. You've talked about that I was story part before. Of that, yeah. Uh you you've got Dan Quinn the last couple of years when when it looked like he was able to Dan he, Quinn had the Denver job
2: mm-hmm. until ownership decided to sell, you know. Until until once ownership decided to sell, they were going to hire an offensive coach. George Payton was going to hire an offensive coach. Mm -hmm. That was what it was going to be. So, you know, he was told a directive. They went out and they hired Hackett and it was a total disaster. So, yeah, I uh, Dan was going to get that Denver job. Yeah, I got pulled from underneath him when ownership you know, I think there was change. a chance
1: he could have gotten the Denver job last year too. I think I think they yeah. were very interested in yeah, him, and absolutely. In, and definitely in 21. I think in 21 there was a, a big expectation that that's where he was going. Right. Um. And and just some things changed there. Um. But it is something where we've seen the Joneses have been able to to convince people to stay before. And and you know, uh, obviously it didn't work out the way people wanted. But you got to remember, Baltimore's first choice in 2008 was Jason Garrett. Yeah. And they offered him the job and he stayed in dallas yeah. and they give it to john harbaugh who's still in baltimore been there for years now um but they've been really good at being able to retain people and convince them that hey this is the place that you want to be and so i do think that if there's anybody who understands that and, and anybody who believes that it, after all these years it's probably will mcclay who has yeah. a, a deep appreciation for for what they do here and and i think they have a, a deep respect for him as well um and, and they put a lot of weight on what it is that he has to say um, and, and so that's why I think it's just it may if it's the right decision it may be something where it's like there's not much you can say or much you can offer if this is the right decision at the right yeah, time. It, it, yeah, Will loves- and I don't think there'd be any hard feelings no, here. Will this is something, this place.
2: Yeah, Will yeah. loves this place. You know, and he 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 really appreciates working.
1: He has made the f- them a perennial contender. Yeah, he is he yeah. probably the biggest reason for them being a perennial contender yeah. if you have to put it on one person. Yeah, absolutely. And so he he's done a really impressive job. So, okay, Brian, before we get to the, the mailbag here, then I'm curious for you, uh, if you were to look into your crystal ball, next season, 2024, when we're in Oxnard, is Will McClay still with the Cowboys? And is Dan Quinn still with the Cowboys? Dan
2: Quinn's not, Will McClay is. But... And- but I will, I I also, you asked me the question, so I answered the best, but there, there. I do believe there could very well be a package deal. It would make
1: a lot of sense. There,
2: if Will is going to leave, I believe it would be to go with a guy like Dan Quinn. That's, you know, now that's, depending on what happens too with Mike McCarthy, and we'll, we'll get into this, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, Jerry Jones believes their path is the right path right oh, now
1: oh if they if they lose by two touchdowns to the packers that, they, that job they might lose, be open
2: that's what i'm saying yeah that's what i'm saying so uh, if i had to say right now i would say dan is likely going to get a head coaching job and will is probably going to stay that would be my guess
1: you are listening to the love of the star podcast the love of the stars and odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to our dear sweet listeners, get their thoughts and uh, opinions on things. Uh, first question here from Ian Tisdale, who I don't think we've asked, uh, gotten a question from before. Uh, Ian says any chance that TJ Bass moves to center next year. Tyler Biotish is out of contract. TJ Bass has played well at times when he's been asked to step in. I know they they gave him some snaps at center. Solari was big on Solari's big on cross-training in general. Right. That's Mike Solari, the offensive line coach for the Cowboys. Um, but I know they they did try some stuff with with Bass. And the Cowboys have shown that in recent years, especially under Mike McCarthy, that they've tried to find okay, hey, if we've got somebody here who we like, but maybe they don't have an opportunity, let's try and work them at center. They tried to do that with McGovern at times. They did it with Connor Williams a little bit before he moved. Uh, so do you think just what you've seen from TJ Bass, is that a guy that you think could potentially cross over and play some center?
2: Yeah, I wonder if you could just go ahead and put Tyler Smith at left tackle and put TJ Bass at left guard. How did how did he look on tape? It's fine. He's a fine. I mean, they, they, matter of fact, those, those three guys – the inside three did a really nice job. I know Jonathan Allen wouldn't play in this game, but man, it, it, it these guys are, I I said it, they played a beautiful game. They, the only, the only thing that happened to TJ Bass in that game is on the, on the, the tipped interception, he got yanked. He I mean, he couldn't get away from Ridgeway Ridgeway grabbed his Jersey and pulled him. And that allowed the looper to come and tip the ball, which it resulted in the interception other than that he played a beautiful Is game. he is he the foot athlete that you would want at center though potentially? He
1: is he is He, is, he he's so strong. He
2: is that's that's the thing. I don't know. I think I would want a more athletic center. I think where he is I think where he is really good is his ability to get his hands inside and sit down on people and pass protection. And yeah. he's got an awareness of what's happening around him. Like he knew there was a twist. Him and Tyron passed the twist. He got yanked. Yeah, I mean he's he's a guard. he's playing some center. And you got to remember, at
1: Oregon he was a tackle. Yeah, he was a tackle at Oregon.
2: I I I keep him. I keep him at guard. I really do. And I try and find a little. uh, I try and find another center. Is what I try and do. Next, if if you have to, if you have to.
1: Next question here from Jason Tim, and and further to that point, because we also uh, have to talk about Brock Hoffman. Boy, I got to say. Coming off the field when they won the division, there may not have been anybody more excited and, and more hyped than Brock Hoffman, who yeah. played in that wicket, which great for him. He he was he did an admirable job. But uh, Jason is asking, did the backup guards Hoffman at right guard with Zach Martin sick? That's Tyler, the guy so. that
2: can play center.
1: Yeah, that's a and that's a guy yeah. that they liked. That yeah. was the guy that they were talking about. Yeah. You heard whispers in training camp when Zach Martin was potentially holding out. You, you heard some or, or was holding out and was potentially going to miss time. You heard some whispers that they're like, we may roll with Hoffman as the starter at yeah, right guard. Yeah. Um, but did the backup guards play better than the starting guards have recently is what Jason Tim was always know. He says, because it looks like Dallas actually ran the ball with some success. So did it's you think they were commanders better? It's command, yeah, that's what it is. It's it, a commanders. It, yeah, it's, it's yeah. scaled to a point. But, yeah. but I mean, we're talking about Bass a little bit there. What did you think about what you saw from Hoffman against?
2: The I, I, I told you, like all three of those inside guys played very, very well in this football game. Hoffman, the thing about Hoffman, there's nothing pretty about his game. I mean, the technique, bass on the other way is like sit, set, you know, like movement, all that stuff. Hoffman is kind of a brawler mauler guy. You know, like he's battling, he gets knocked around, but he stays in position. But, yeah, I was was impressed with the way those guys play. I really, really was.
1: Uh, Next question from Mike Hill. Uh, is there even more that Dan Quinn can do to free Micah from the double and triple teams he's seen? Yeah. Start him off the ball, have him realign just before the snap. Dan Quinn obviously has done a great job in three years here of, of really trying to find the best possible matchup for Dan Quinn. But when you watch the tape, do you look or, or for Mike Parsons? But when you watch the tape, do you look at it and say, "Hey, maybe there, there's some other different things you can do here to, to free Micah?" Up?
2: Yeah, they cover the guards and they let the, and they put Micah one on one on the center. Period. Yeah, you cover. It's hard to double Micah when both guards are covered, you know, and then you got the ed, then you got the tackle, which, which he's
1: gotten some sacks in his career from the zero technique, like just being right, obviously not I, hand in the what, dirt, what, but right over what the center. The
2: things they did was they put Mike off ball, like two to three yards off the ball at over center. Like I was a, a, like a kind of a tight Mike linebacker mm-hmm. and they put Clark behind him. So you had Micah kind of patrolling along the line of scrimmage and you had Clark behind him. You know, so you had it at a couple different levels. If they tried to get to Micah and block Micah, then that allowed Clark to run to the football. So Dan Quinn, by putting Micah at middle linebacker, that's the way you keep him from getting
1: double teamed. Do you, is there anything to the idea of, and I don't just mean trick plays or anything like that. Do coaches tend to hide certain schematic things until you say like, hey, maybe I'll just pocket this. I haven't needed to use it. I'm going to do you think we're going to see some different things from Dan Quinn when we get into the playoffs? Yep.
2: The thing that I learned about from like Bill Belichick and listening to Mike Lombardi, who's my dear friend, talk about that. Belichick always talked about what you did at certain points of the game. And you always kept a scheme at the very end of the game. An example of what they did against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl that ended up being the interception. Hadn't shown the scheme the whole hadn't shown it the whole day. And then all of a sudden they go in that critical situation. So coaches are always good at keeping one or two things into that third or fourth quarter that could make a difference in the game.
1: Do you think it's something as particular as within the game, though, or do you think there's something like, hey, we might see a blitz concept or a coverage concept that Dan Quinn has done? Because one of the things, oh, that, yeah, one of the things you'll hear about the the Cowboys, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that you can see on tape is they don't disguise a lot. They no. they 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 will give it to you pretty straightforward. So, do you think that there might be a little bit more? I see disguise some more rotation
2: and... than you think. I mean, I, I, it's not it's not total. I'm sure if you no, watched, it's not, it's not yeah.
1: Jason Garrett. Just we're going to line up and yeah, beat you. No. But but, it, but it's not nearly as much coverage disguise as, as no, other there, teams.
2: There, there is some rotation of too deep, and all of a sudden drive the drive the the other safety down to play the crossers, the robbers, and stuff like that. There's some different. Rotational looks that you'll see during this.
1: What kind of uh, schematic differences or or tweaks or wrinkles do you think we're more likely to see? Some some schematic tweaks from Dan Quinn in terms of what he's doing in terms of blitz packages or some different things he's doing in coverage disguise potentially. Which coverage or blitz? Which do you think we're more likely to see some different variations from? Coverage.
2: Okay. Coverage. Yeah.
1: And this one's a little broad for you, but it, it'll give you space to take this any way you want, and and it kind of brings us back. To this discussion about where this team is this question from chris sarvis brian why should i trust this year's cowboys team what is That's, your greatest reason that, for that, trust in this Cowboys know, team
2: you should trust because of the quarterback you really should you should trust the, the the quarterback the quarterbacks played beautifully this year he really really has um he's been outstanding uh he's he's seeing the field well uh you know he's not making mistakes uh, you know, with the ball, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of tip balls. And although, I mean, we see we saw the tip ball, but we haven't seen him not see the guy and just throw it right to him. We haven't seen those kinds of bad turnovers. He kept his interceptions in single digits. He, he sure did. And I think you get, you got to be confident in the play caller, you know, well because he's found ways to get the ball creatively to C.D. Lamb or to get it to Ferguson or to get it to Cooks or to put uh, Turpin in the backfield and hand it to him. You know, but the main confidence you should have is you have an elite wide receiver, probably the top one of the top three wide receivers in the league, and you have a quarterback playing in an MVP level. That that is going to be your ticket to going far in this thing. If it fails, if it fails, I don't think it's going to be because of Lamb or Prescott. I think it's going to be something else that let them down. But I, I think those two guys are going to continue to play at a very, very high level.
1: If you were, if you were on the opposing sideline, and it doesn't have to be Green Bay specifically, because obviously you coach to personnel. Yeah. But if you were on an opposing sideline and just uh, let's say you had a, a a random pull of defenders, what is your strategy? What what are you talking about in the game plan during the week of like, hey, let's try this kind of stuff with Ceedee Lamb because obviously there there's very few weaknesses in, in his game what is what is the idea here is it just as simple as like hey you gotta bracket him you got you yeah. got to do some different things got-
2: bracket him when he's on the move or when you're when you're playing him in the slot and you got guys say you're traveling and you got guys that won't go on the slot as a traveler mm-hmm. you know so now you're matching up now you move him you know you're just if you know somebody's gonna try and bracket him by the way they're playing coverage keep moving him keep moving him put him in the backfield run him out put him up you know put him tight run him bunch scatter him you know bring him across in motion, run him out, run him up. You know, just keep him on the move. So people cannot get that, that, okay, we got this guy here, this guy here, we're playing it in and and out. No, by him moving, you're going to affect how they play him. So I, I, I think McCarthy Schottenheimer, I think these coaches got a good understanding how to keep him going. We, we, everybody in, in the ballpark knows that CeeDee Lamb is going to get the ball, right? Yeah. 13 times, 17 times, he still makes plays.
1: Yeah. When, when you talk about that, though, the idea of make sure that, that you're kind of moving them around doing some yeah. different things, does that responsibility fall mainly on McCarthy? Does that responsibility, if that's something that Dak and CeeDee are running to is that some of the line of scrimmage that like, hey, we've got to change some things up here. This is on us as, as the that, guys. That's as that, the
2: concerned. game's going on. That's as the game's going is on. Is that a
1: shared responsibility, or would you say, hey, that's more on the coach, or that's more on Dak and Steve? Coaches, to figure coaches that out.
2: have got to know if he gets bracketed in a game. Here's our bracket plan. Now, if he gets bracketed and they start taking him out of a game, say it, it does happen, Cooks needs to be involved, which he is absolutely involved. He he is so much better an option than what you've had the last couple of years as the two. Yeah. You know,
1: one last follow up question for I'm I'm using the the love of the star mailbag to ask my own mailbag questions yeah. here for you, Brian. Last last one here though on the idea of of guarding this offense and we talk about changing things up. Yeah. Cooks is obviously really good for you know he can hit you from 40 yards he can hit you from five yards he, he's he's yeah. really good in the red yeah. zone. We talk about Ceedee Lamb can do. If the Cowboys are consistently able to hit the seam throw to Ferguson, Big. is there a way? Is there any way you can defend the passing? Not games? at all. No. That that's something where if they if they're able to hit that, there's no way to cut Let the him. field.
2: If, if let them hit the seam or get a screen game going, if Dallas, if Dallas could get a screen game going with Pollard, that, that would be, that would make my heart sing, you know, because playoff football, a lot of that is it's about those. It, it's pressure. It's pressure. It's pressure. Now the screen goes out the back door. You know, how many times have we seen a screen game go for 30 something yards? Not much here in Dallas. But Pollard, the play he made up the side with jumping up for the ball. Yeah. Pollard's capable of catching the ball. You threw a good, you had a good screen the other day with Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn went inside instead of staying to the outside. If that's Pollard, he stays wide and lets Martin kick his guy inside. So, you know, that's up the sidelines. Let me have a seam or a really good skiing game, a, a screen game. That does it for us here
1: today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with a couple more episodes this week, taking a look at the Packers and and hopefully uh, look look into the offseason. We're still going to be doing two episodes a week, uh, but hopefully we can keep up the three a week until uh, until the Super Bowl is, is one in Vegas. Hopefully this is the year yeah. uh, this is setting up really nicely for this Cowboys team. And I think that there's a, a sense among your quarterback, your head coach, your owner and general manager. I think there's a sense that this is a real opportunity unlike some of the years past. So uh, a good chance, and we'll have all of the uh, preview for you when we take a look at the Packers later this week. For Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.